Hey friends, before we hop into today's episode, I just want to make sure you're aware of In His Image Wellness Collective. It is a group that I run where we are focusing on stewarding our wellness for the Lord. Yes, not chasing body image, not chasing scales, but really making decisions about our mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being with a kingdom lens. We do workouts, we do meal plans, we do devotions, we meet weekly for prayer via Zoom. It is incredible and you want to be a part of it. So make sure you send me an email and I'll give you all the details. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, friends. I am so excited for this first bonus episode of season four. Guys, I am sitting down and talking to Dr. Allison Cook about her new book, The Best of You. And can I tell you, this is a conversation you're going to want to tune into and you may even want to take some notes. What I love about this book is it really ultimately looks at how we have to heal ourselves so that we can live the life God has for us. And you know that that is my heart. That is my, my experience. That is my mission. And so to have Allison come and sit with me is just such a blessing. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. So excited. I was um, thrilled at the opportunity to talk to you. Um, as my many of my listeners know, my background is in trauma and in mental illness. And I really had to go on this journey of healing myself and setting boundaries and learning how to do all that so that I could be available for the call that God has over my mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. so this is just such a beautiful resource for women who want to do that as well. So before we dive in, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how this book came to life, this much needed resource came Mm -hmm. to life? Yeah, thank you so much. And I so commend you and appreciate your courage and sharing so honestly about your journey. Um, I think it's so needed uh, for for people to hear stories of how how we've healed um, wherever we are in the journey. So um, the book really started, you know, I, I talk a little bit in the book, but in my personal life as a young believer, I loved Jesus. I loved God. I had a really profound experience of God in college, um, but, but I didn't know how to heal myself, right? So I had this sort of parallel existence of learning a lot about God, loving God, figuring out how to love other people. But there's a third component to that equation. If we kind of look at Jesus as even commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then it's love others as yourself. Well, that as yourself piece was just missing for me Mm -hmm. for a good decade. And it led to a lot of um, loneliness, um, resentment, burnout, unhealthy 
patterns of relating to other people. And there I was studying psychology. And so I had to begin to put together, what is this as yourself piece? What does it mean? And it's deeper than just self-care. You know, it's deeper than just this idea of taking bubble baths, though that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's something about this relationship with the self that is important and that early church leaders talked about. This isn't a new idea, but it's also an idea that's been sort of co-opted, right? Where it's only about the self. And so a big part of my mission is to kind of reclaim that idea of what does it mean to become our, our, our true self in God? Um, so that was sort of my own journey of trying to figure out how do I become a part of this you know, relationship yes. and how do I heal myself and how do I learn to understand my emotions and how do I learn even my preferences, my desires, my convictions, how to bring healthy relationships into my life. And all of those are skills that we have to learn. Yeah. One of the things I love that you did in the book is how you created and, and showcased the distinction um, of how there exists this selflessness yeah. that so often Christian women feel weighed down by yeah. or this selfishness, which is often what the world wants to promote, but in the middle and, and what we should be striving to learn is this concept of selfhood. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more like what is selfhood? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly. a new term, but it, it, I think it would resonate so much with people. Like that's where we need to be. Yeah, and it's a term that I learned about in psychology, right? It comes out of psychology where there is more of a focus on selfhood, becoming a whole person. And this is where I love to bring psychology together with faith, because I think the two go hand in hand. Yes. I don't think they should ever have been separated because God created us to be humans. He created us to be selves, right? And so I think God transcends the field of psychology, which is selfhood, which is just, it's just who I am uniquely. Mm. I, you and I, everyone listening, we are made in the image of God, but that image of God reflects uniquely through you, mm. through me, right? Through your, you know, every single one of us. And so getting to know myself, what are my gifts? What are my strengths? Where, where do I struggle? Where, what are my limitations? Where are my areas of wounding? What are some of my preferences? Getting to know myself is really that goes hand in hand with getting to know the God who made me yes. because that's all by design, right? That's all by design. And so focusing on ourselves when it's done in relationship with the God who made us isn't selfish. It's becoming that full self, selfhood, that person, the fullness of who God made us to become. And I, in the book, I talk about how Jesus, I believe, is an example of someone who exhibits selfhood. He fully inhabited his life on earth as, you know, even though he was God, he shows us, he, he wasn't a doormat, I like to say, you know, yeah. he didn't just kind of lay down and let everybody knock him around. That's not his example. No. He really brought himself to the table. And like that, that's our motto. We need to be bringing ourselves, our best of who we are, our true selves to the table in all of our relationships and all that we do. Absolutely. And I love that Jesus is the example to look at, right? Because yeah. he had needs 
that he yes. had to meet as a human. And I think so time, so many times as women, we want to deny the fact that we had needs. Jesus rested. Yes. Jesus went away from the flock, yep. i.e. your family, your kids, yeah. your husband and rested. Jesus yep. spent time with his father. He ate, he, he had boundaries. <laughs> like you said, Jesus was not a doormat. There is plenty of times in the Bible when we see when he was treated poorly, when he was rejected until it was his appointed time by the father yes, to go to the right. cross. He did not stick around for the abuse. No. And no. why do you think us as women have such hard times with the concept of boundaries and have such yeah. a hard time with the concept of I have needs and it's okay if I devote some of my time to meeting those needs. Yeah. Why do we yeah, I t- yeah, we do. I know. And, and I think so many women and we, we pick up the idea of Jesus's sacrificial acts without picking up the example of his strengths. Mm. Right. We're, and I think you're right. There's something uniquely there for women. And I talk in the book a little bit about what I call a cocktail of codependency. Mm. And I look at it as there's a multitude of factors. One being some childhood wounds. You know, many of us are coming into adulthood already wounded, already feeling shoved aside, already not knowing how to assert ourselves, you know, not knowing that it's okay to speak up for what we want and need. If we weren't taught that, how would we know, you know? And then the other piece is cultural conditioning. Oftentimes as women, we, we feel, you know, like, oh, we should just get along. We should play nice. We should stay small. And then I think what happens is we hear the church messages that are important, but maybe aren't actually directed to us. Sometimes I think to myself, sometimes we need to hear the message. You know what? You know, there's a lot in the Bible about maybe it's time for you to speak up. Yeah. on behalf of yourself, speak up to toxicity. Maybe the message for you isn't die more to yourself. Maybe the message for you is actually, it's time for you to stop pleasing other people and start speaking up for yourself. But we don't often hear that as women. I love that you said that too, because there's this concept of dying to self, meaning that you're always saying yes to everyone. And I think what people don't understand is that it's a form of people pleasing where you actually have your heart's affections towards gaining the approval of others, where God wants us to be after his approval and his approval may mean saying no. That's right. Right. Like saying no. Right. And that could be like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But I don't know. His his approval might mean disappointing someone else. Yes. You know, and that's hard for us. Yeah. Like denying ourselves is really about denying the affections that want to take place of Christ. It does not mean being self berating. It does not mean putting yourself last, having a sacrificial heart and being a servant leader is not about being a doormat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I love that you mentioned in the book is that in order to be our best selves, you have to face your pain. Mm-hmm. You have to face your pain. That has been something in my own personal life that number one was hard to do. And instead of facing it, I masked it for a lot of times with a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And it was a learned skill I had Mm -hmm. to do in therapy. How would you 
how would you guide our listener? Like, what does it mean to face your pain? How do you, how do you do that? Like, that's scary. Like you actually have to sit with the emotion. It is scary. It is scary. And I would say number one, if there's a lot of it, if there's a, a lot of trauma or a backlog of unfaced pain and you're starting to notice, you know, oh man, I'm going to need to go down this road, right? Don't do it alone. Mm. Get help. You know, I, I do think number one is, one of the ways that I define trauma, in fact, is unwitnessed pain. It's pain that's been living inside of us quietly. And so in order to heal that, we need to do that. We need to unpack that with someone who understands and who will walk with us. So mm -hmm. whether it's a therapist or whether it's a small group or whether it's a support group or whether it's a church group, you know, be intentional about understanding it's a process it's a journey sometimes I liken it to if you're if you ever if anybody ever hikes you know I'm, I'm a big hiker and you see a trail you know trailhead is this cue of I've got a trail to go down and that trail is going to lead me into some some scary spots and I don't want to go down that trail by myself I want to go down that trail with someone yeah. who will walk with me when yeah. I hit some of those scary spots because pain is there for a reason and sometimes we've buried it for a reason, mm -hmm. you know? So there's, I would just, first of all, caution people to, to be, to get, get a, get a guide. And then the other piece, second thing I would just say, start getting curious mm -hmm. about it. Start noticing, why do I feel grief? I, that's so weird. You know, it doesn't, instead of judging ourselves or shoving those feelings aside, just getting curious and maybe I won't solve it today, but man, I just noticed it's so hard for me when X happens. I feel abandoned when I see these friends do this, even though maybe that's an overreaction or I feel so angry when this happens. I wonder why that is a posture of curiosity toward, because those are cues mm -hmm. that there might be a wound mm -hmm. underneath there, you know? Yeah. And so as we start getting curious about ourselves, again, it's, it's focusing on yourself, not to be selfish, but focusing on yourself to grow, yes. to heal. Yes. to bring to God, I don't know why this is here. I want to stop shaming myself for it. Instead, I want to say, God, I noticed this. Would you help me take a journey of understanding it so that together I can heal and become even more of the person you made me to be? And I think that goes to just being authentic and real yes. and recognizing where we have pain. I think sometimes in the faith community, we feel like we're told to rejoice always and have a joyful heart. Therefore, I can acknowledge my pain. I cannot work through my pain. I cannot have needs. Mm -hmm. And I just want to remind the listeners, and, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, that we can experience multiple emotions at once. We can have the joy of the Lord and the joy of our salvation in our heart and still have to walk through grief and still right. have to walk through anger and still have to walk through pain. Those things are not independent. They can coexist. And the more that we are real, the more we give permission for yeah. other women to be like, you know what, I have some stuff too, I need to work through and, and that, right. I love but, that. Yeah. It's just, I know for a long time, I felt like I had to put on the Christian face. There was yes. Carla at home and then church Carla, and they weren't the same people. 
And all that did was create more shame in my life. Like, oh, if they knew what I was going through and we tell ourselves these stories, but the church does have a little ways to grow when it comes to recognizing and holding space with grace and mercy and not judgment for people that are going through pain, that people that are experiencing trauma and what that looks like. Yes. It's not necessarily a reflection of your spiritual condition because you're battling something. That's right. um, How do you see, and I don't know if you would have an answer to this, but how do you see us making inroads in the faith community, in the church community to start shifting that view away from judgment and towards grace and acceptance of things like mental illness and trauma and not being perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's simple, right? Well, that's part of another big reason I wrote the book. I love, I I always want to be so cautious about, um, we need our faith communities, right? We heal in the context of community, but we heal in the context of compassionate community, not shaming community, right? And so one of the reasons I wrote the book and one of the things I'm doing with the pre-orders is trying to get the book into church communities where, whether it be mom's groups or women's groups, or um, one of the things I did as part of, because of my passion for what you're saying is, um, is I'm doing like live uh, Q&A and for church groups that order the book, because I want to help equip churches. I don't, you know, listen, we therapists, have a great role to play in helping people heal. And I think we can partner with churches yes. to, to come alongside and say, there are just some simple ways that you can, and I try to go through that in the book, like here are ways to come alongside people supportively. Here are ways to understand yeah. why someone might be acting out. You don't have to fix it for them. Churches don't need to become therapists, yes. but the more there's understanding the more people are going to walk into churches and not be met with things like, well, you just, you should just pray more about that. Yeah. Or why why are you depressed? What's wrong with you? You know? And I talk about that in the book as opposed to, I get it. It's hard. I'm, I'm with you. They don't, we don't have to become each other's therapists, but, but when we walk in the church door, a church that understands some of these concepts, we're going to be met with that compassionate presence, which is going to just give us more hope as we do our own work. So another thing I'm trying to do is do some guides for small groups. Yeah. So that when we gather in our small groups, we're not doing this to each other. When, when someone shares really vulnerably about their mental illness or about their trauma, they're not hearing, we're just going to pray over you that God will get that out of you. And it's like, well, well, sometimes God does that, but, but we want to be able to share in the context of, of folks saying, we don't maybe don't get it, but we love you. We're with you. We're not going to leave you. Yes. We're going to pray with you. There's humility in that, yeah. right? We don't have we don't we don't have to have all the answers for each other. But what we do need is just to be present with that. We hear you. We get you. We love you. We're with you. You know, we want to be part of that. I think sometimes that is so much more helpful to people than these quick. Pat answers, platitudes, you know, cr- yes, you know. like actually, and, and that space. is sort of my big passion. I can go on and on and on about that. It's a lot of my social media feed. It's just yes. you know, trying to get people to realize it's not helpful to folks, you know, rarely. No. And it's not what we see Jesus. Exactly. 
It's not how we see Jesus interact with people. He invites people to come in. He gives people a role. He equips people. He empowers people. He rarely says things like, you know, he doesn't shoo people away who are hurting, you know? No. And I always say, I love Jesus and I love my therapist. Not (laughs) not equally, of course, but, you know, I pray and I go to therapy. I read the Bible and I take medication. I root my identity in Christ. I am so sure that I know that I know that I know who I am. So when my trauma brain or when my past or when other people's expectations want to come on me, I can be in that solid foundation, which is a lot of what you say in the book about developing a strong sense of self, right? That's right. And part of developing that strong sense of self is who did God create me to be? That's right. How did he create me to be? How does he want me to function? And then living the life God has for us. I think sometimes people feel so stuck and not realizing that they are the ones that actually have to take the step to get unstuck. Like there is this component of ownership we have to take. I'm not responsible for my trauma, but I am responsible for how I choose to move forward in my life. Am I going to heal? Am I going to sit with the pain? Am I going to take the steps? It's not easy. Definitely, I need to be empowered and comforted and supported by the Holy Spirit and community. But ultimately, the responsibility is ours. And the great invitation God gives us in partnering with him in our healing is that he'll never leave us or forsake us Mm -hmm. as we go through it, Mm -hmm. which is just so amazing. Yeah. So who is this book for? You know, I wrote it primarily for women. Christian women who have exactly what you and I are discussing, who have felt like a doormat, who have felt stuck, who have felt like I've lived this whole life of trying to love God, trying to focus on other people. And yet I feel lost, empty, stuck. You know, I don't know who I am anymore. I I wrote this book for every woman who has felt that way. Um, I've certainly heard from some men that they they've gotten a lot out of it too. Yeah. Um, But I do really try to speak to the unique needs of women because I do think as you, as you suggested, a lot of this is harder for women for, for these, for a variety of reasons, setting boundaries is harder for women. Um, We want so, so often, and these are broad, you know, broad brushstrokes, but we want to serve. We want to show up for other people. We want to, Um, be kind and caring. But what do you do when someone is toxic? What do you do when someone is taking advantage of you? These are real things. These, this happens. I see it all the time in my practice. And so I just, you know, began to grow this conviction and also from my own life, which, which is there's unique things that Christian women need to understand that we don't often hear for whatever reason from the pulpit Mm -hmm. about learning how to be wise and shrewd to use Jesus's word, you know, mm-hmm. it's it to be really sh- wise as snakes and innocent as doves is what Jesus says, right? You know, we have to be wise in how we go about navigating our relationships in the world and bringing our full selves to the table. And we're often not taught. Those are skills mm-hmm. that we are not taught. And so it's for any woman who has felt like, I just, I don't know what to do. I know I'm not happy. I know I hate this situation, but I'm stuck. And all I know is I should die to myself or I should sacrifice. And it's like, 
Yes, but what if dying to yourself means dying to this old way of pleasing people and coming alive to this brave way that Jesus is inviting you into? Oh, that gives me chills. I love that. (laughs) Dying to the old way of people pleasing and coming into where God wants you to be. That's so beautiful. So the best of you is available now. Where can they find it? (laughs) Anywhere books are sold. um, You can pre-order. I guess it's out. So it's out. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, it's still hard for me to believe because it's been such a long time coming. You're just like, oh my God. Gosh, here it is. People have it in their hands. Um, so anywhere books are sold, you can go to my website this week only. I think it's through the end of this week. The pre-order bonuses are still available. So if you go okay. to my website at drallisoncook.com backslash book, you'll find all the places to order it. Plus, I, I'm pretty sure you can still get all those pre-order bonuses through Saturday. Um, so we're so gonna jump give, on it. Jump, jump on, on it. it. There's a bunch of good ones. There's a bunch of really good ones there. Um, yeah, there's there's just a lot of good resources for, for everyone there. And I will definitely have that link in the show notes as well as where you can find Allison on Instagram, where she provides so much great content, which I'm loving. Allison, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate your time. Um, and I so appreciate this gift that you're giving women in the best of you. Thank you, Carla. Thanks for all that you're doing on behalf of women. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.